Coming up on Stu Does America, Brian Riedel returns to the program to terrify us about what the Biden administration is going to do on spending. And surprise, surprise, the government is the reason you can't go on that beautiful Hawaiian vacation right now. Just not for the reason that you think we'll get into that. Plus, Joe Biden rambled and slurred his way through a very uncomfortable town hall last night. I will show you the worst moments as we do bumbling Biden. Stu does America. First, uh, congratulations to the president of the United States, Joe Biden, who was able to stay awake for the entire town hall yesterday. Nice work, Mr. President. We're all proud of you. Was a weird town hall, though, filled with a lot of bumbling moments and strange answers, odd questions that seemed planted, and a lot of lying as well. Let's start off with this one, though. This is a question about vaccines, I think, though I can't really tell based on the answer. That's underway, just like the other question that's illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. Right. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where mm-hmm. you uh, um, um, are, why are, can't the, can't the, the experts say, mm-hmm. we know that this virus is in fact, uh, right. um, yes. uh, it, it, it's going to be, uh, or excuse me, we, we, we mm-hmm. know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. There we That's go. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. Congratulations. That was a really good answer, uh, Joe. Joe. He's like this guy that goes down a dark alley and then he, with his thoughts and he gets to the end of it and he realizes there's, you know, it's a dead end and he turns around and comes back out and goes down the next road. That's the way he answers questions. It's really bad. And in case you didn't understand. You may not have received the message he was trying to give. Let me just give it to you again, because maybe the excitement of his delivery overshadowed the actual content of his answer. He said, that's underway. Just like the other question, that's logical. And I've heard you speak about it because you all, I'm not being solicitous, but you're always straight up about what you're doing. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you are, why can't the experts say, we know that this virus is, in fact, is going to be? Or, excuse me, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. I mean, if that doesn't convince you, Biden 2024 is a good idea. I don't I don't know what will. That was just gibberish, but a lot of it wasn't gibberish. A lot of it was much worse than gibberish. Like, for example, this incredible clip about inflation in this country as he's asked about why. What about all these prices going up? You're spending a lot of money. Watch. You seem pretty confident that that inflation is temporary, but if you're pumping all of this money Mm. into the economy couldn't that add to no the, the look here's the deal moody's today when our wall street firm not some liberal think tank said if mm. we pass the other two things i'm trying to get done we will in fact reduce inflation oh reduce inflation reduce inflation wait what because they're going to be providing good opportunities and jobs for people who in fact are going to be reinvesting that money back in all the things we're talking about 
driving down prices, not raising prices. Hmm. It's the opposite of every other time this has been tried, right? When you dump trillions of dollars into economies, a lot of times you wind up getting a little bit of inflation. It's what everyone has seemed to understand all throughout history. But Joe's going a different way. And I honestly, if he had just said it a fourth time that he was going to reduce inflation, instead of just saying reduce inflation, reduce inflation, reduce inflation, if he had thrown in an extra reduce inflation at the end of that, I would have been all on board. Unfortunately, I... I thought to myself, this sounds like misinformation, doesn't it? Just a little bit. And considering the history of inflation uh, around the world, does this really seem something like, like something that's credible to you? The report he's talking about, again, his evidence that this is going to somehow spending multiple trillions of dollars. We're going to have Brian Riedel on in a minute who's going to walk you through how many trillion and how deep this goes. But the idea that spending multiple trillions of dollars is going to lower inflation is just bonkers, right? I mean, like it's a completely bonkers notion. So he cites, however, not a liberal think tank, but a Wall Street firm, Moody's. I mean, we all know Moody's did a great job with all that uh, those credit ratings for a bunch of those companies back in the day. Uh, but Moody's uh, did actually release a report and it didn't say exactly what he's saying. But kind of, in some ways, it, it did. I actually have the report uh, right here. In this report, it basically says we can't rule out that inflation is going to happen. We can't say that that, risk, that uh, worry is completely without merit. But what we, we think it will go down was basically their tone. They said, you know, if you're going to spend a bunch of money, for example, on uh, a bunch of building new uh, affordable housing units, that's going to make uh, the price of rentals go down. That's sort of the argument they're making there. Now, look, that's never been the case in history, but I'm much more focused on the idea that he's saying this isn't a liberal think tank. This is a Wall Street firm. Well, the economist who actually wrote the report is Mark Zandi. Mark Zandi was under consideration to serve in the Obama White House. So, yes, he works at Moody's. He's their lead economist, but he also is obviously aligned with Joe Biden politically. He almost worked in the actual Obama administration. It's not some random, run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-road economist. This is a guy who's aligned with the party. If Mark Zandi were to leave Moody's today, the likely landing point for him would be a liberal think tank. I, I, it's it's incomprehensible that he would do this because he just knows no one's going to go look at it, right? And he should also know that, of course, another leading economist that actually did serve in the Obama administration is named Larry Summers. He was the Treasury Secretary. And what he's saying is, if you spend multiple trillions of dollars, you're going to get a lot of inflation. The exact opposite of, of the claim that he is, uh, that Biden is touting now. Now, why would he cite some random Wall Street firm instead of the actual Treasury Secretary of his own administration when he was vice president? I think the answer to that is quite obvious. Let me go to let me go to another one here. This is on the filibuster. There's a lot of filibuster talk here. And this guy asks a pretty interesting question. And he's a liberal. He's coming at this from the far, far, far left. But listen to this question and tell me. 
This is actually a pretty good question by the, uh, the audience member watch. Uh, so my question is, last week regarding the GOP's efforts to restrict voting rights, uh, you said those efforts were, quote, the most dangerous threat to voting and the integrity of free and fair elections in our history, end mm. quote. Mm -hmm. While you have condemned these attacks, you and congressional members of your party have done little to actually stop these assaults. If these efforts are really the most dangerous in our history, isn't it logical to get rid of the filibuster so we can protect our democracy and secure the right to vote? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Isn't it logical? You know, you got to say, yeah, it kind of is, right? I mean, it is logical. If you're basically destroying the entire fabric of the country, obviously what you would do is change the Senate rules to allow the filibuster, right? Unless, of course, it's not the greatest threat to democracy in our entire history. It's not the biggest threat to free and fair elections that we've ever seen in U.S. history. What if it's not? What if all of that setup is just a bunch of lies? And none of that is true. That's the actual situation we're in. These laws are not the largest threat to democracy in all of human history. Of course not. We all know these are expansions, massive expansions to the eras that you'd be comparing it to if you wanted to look back in history. And even expansions compared to 2018, which was the pre-pandemic standard this is uh, just a ridiculous argument. Now, he does eventually get to some commentary on the filibuster, and it just does not work with the question this guy asked. Watch. It is. If it's a relic of Jim Crow, it's been used to fight against civil rights legislation historically. Why protect it? There's no reason to protect it other than you're going to throw the entire Congress into chaos and nothing will get done. Wait, right. what? Nothing at all will get done. What are you talking about? And there's a lot at stake. The most important one is the right to vote. That's the single most important one. And your vote count it and count it by someone who honestly counts it. Hmm. But it goes beyond that. For example, wouldn't, wouldn't my friends on the other side love to have a debate about the filibuster instead of passing the Recovery Act? Or wouldn't they love doing it instead of being in a position where we provide for... How many of you have children... I assume he just stopped there. I don't know. Point, though, of course, is that, first of all, the setup is important here. Don Lemon asking this question. You say it was a relic of Jim Crow. You say it's killing our democracy. Again, when you say dumb things like this over and over again, this is Jim Crow 2.0, the biggest threat to our democracy, some idiots actually believe it. Like, you know, our friend Don Lemon. Where's Don Lemon? Hold on, looking through the mug, mug collection here. Here we go. Don Lemon is worserer. It's available now at studiosmerch.com. Uh, if you're an idiot, if you are uh, a moron, you're going to hear these claims about the election. You're not going to actually look into them. And you're going to believe Joe Biden and his nonsense. And a lot of people do. That's the problem. And of course, his point is completely nuts here. Biden tries to make the, his answer for not getting rid of the filibuster, even though it threatens uh, democracy and it's basically Jim Crow, is that Congress wouldn't get anything done. What are you talking about? If you got rid of the filibuster, you could do anything you wanted. 
you get lots of stuff done. It would all be terrible for the country, but there'd be no, it would not be uh, something that would be difficult to get things done. The whole reason to get rid of the filibuster is so it's easy to get everything done. All you need were Democrats to pass anything. Like he didn't even have a near coherent answer to that question. Uh, and, and the truth is, the, the problem is he doesn't want to get rid of it because he's been lying all this time. He's been lying about these laws. He's been lying about the state of our democracy. He's been lying constantly. And these lies are coming back to him. That's the problem here. That's why the filibuster point makes no sense. Because he's been lying all of this time. <sighs> Let me take a break. Come back in a couple of minutes here. We have Brian Riedel coming up. Maybe we'll do some more of these clips from the Biden uh, catastrophe last night. I mean, I, I remember when people did, when presidents did town halls, they were big events and everyone knew about them. I, I just started starting seeing tweets last night. They're like, oh, by the way, here's the clip from President Biden's town hall. Who even knew it was happening? He's an invisible president, but there's a reason for that. The Democratic Party, his aides, everyone on his side wants it that way. They want you to forget this guy is president. And the performance last night told you exactly why. Are you trying to buy a home? Are you trying to sell a home right now? Are you in the real estate markets in any way? You gotta have a great real estate agent if you are. And if you don't have a great real estate agent, you're getting, you're paying for something that's not helping you. That's a big problem. Real estate agents manage the biggest financial transactions any of us have in our lives. So why do we just pick them at random? Why do we just pick the person associated with the house or a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend? It's much more important to make sure you have a very good real estate agent that has been screened, that has gone through a process. You can be rest assured you're getting someone who's the, the person in your area that has the best possible performance. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. If you're moving across the country, buying a house in an area you're not familiar with, this is a great use case for realestateagentsitrust.com. But even if you're at home, you're selling your home, maybe you're at the, the top of this market and you're thinking, you know what, I'm gonna unload this thing. Great time to do that probably. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com, get your agent, make that transaction the best transaction you'll ever have, realestateagentsitrust.com. So, do you have a kid? Are they going to school? Guess what? It's mask time. I hope you're excited for Little Kid Mask Hour on your local stations. Here is Joe Biden ask, uh, answering a question about masks and kids. Everyone over the age of under the age of 12 should probably be wearing a mask in school. Mm. That's probably what's going to happen. Secondly, those over the age of 12 who are able to get vaccinated, if you're vaccinated, you shouldn't wear a mask. If you aren't vaccinated, you should be wearing a mask. <laughs> uh, look, kids aren't even approved, obviously, for the vaccine at this time. Vaccinate, the idea of vaccinating uh, kids before they come back to school is completely ridiculous. My kids were in school from August of 2020 up until uh, they got out, which was, I guess, May uh, in Texas. They were there the whole time. There were some cases in school. There were a few of them. Uh, there were a few exposures. There was no big delay. You know, look, we just happened. I happen to live in Texas. My kids happened to go to a Christian school. You know, it's a little bit different and your area might bite you on this one. I will be honest with you. Some of the stuff's going to continue to happen. 
uh, as we go forward. I mean, I think, you know, you, I know everyone, you know, the Delta variant is something that most conservatives kind of roll their eyes to, does seem to be more contagious, probably is going to spread a little bit, probably going to have uh, some uh, up, uh, upticks, particularly in areas where there's not a lot of vaccinations. That's just, you know, it's going to probably happen. I think in, in a society that is built on free choice, we have a situation that has changed over the past year. A year ago, we didn't really have a choice. Like you might just get COVID. We didn't really even know. We, I mean, for a while, we didn't have tests to detect if you had it. Now we're in a situation where the vaccine's there. You may choose not to get it. You may choose to get it. If you choose to get it, you, you go along with whatever risks might be associated with that. As you know, my, in my opinion, those, are, those risks are low. On the other side, you might not get it. And if you don't get it, you go along with your, uh, you're going to get those risks associated with you. Kids are always the tough choice in these moments because, you know, look, we have to figure out how to, to do the best thing we can for kids. Luckily, luckily, thankfully, thank God every day that this particular pandemic really didn't hit kids all that hard. You know, it's been sad if you lost a kid during this. There's been a few hundred of them that have died. And that's really sad. But that's really not been the focus of this. You can look at a kid as a potential uh, breaking of, of, of an infection uh, chain. It would be great if at some point we have, a, if we're confident that kids can get vaccinated and parents want to do that, they can do that. But the idea that you're going to send kids back when their risk level is so low and send them back with masks that have shown, particularly the masks that kids are wearing and the way they're wearing them, there's no reason to believe there's anything that comes out of this nonsense. Look, if you happen to be in Los Angeles County, He's right. That's probably what's going to happen. But the strength, one of the great things about our form of government and one of the brilliance, uh, the, the, the moments of brilliance that the founders had starting this thing up was to make sure some guy like Joe Biden, like Anthony Fauci, like Donald Trump, none of them have the power to do those things to you. The people who are going to be in control of those rules are going to be much closer to you, much more local. And those people are going to be able to be voted out of office if they do a terrible job. But it's up to you to make sure that you live in an area that agrees with you on important matters like this. You know, I got news for you. Texas is not going to go down that road. Florida is not going to go down that road. South Dakota is not going to go down that road. A lot of these red states are going to say, look, we think kids you know, should be able to go to school without wearing masks. If they want to wear a mask, if their parents think it's important, the parents have the right to make them do that. They're their parents. But Anthony Fauci's not their parent. Joe Biden's not their parent. And so we should be able to make these choices, especially when that choice is actually available to us. We have the option to take the vaccine. It's free. It's everywhere. It's available. You can get an appointment anytime you want at like CVS or Walgreens. It's easy. So if you want to get it, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. That now we are at a part where we can make those choices and we can all live with the ramifications of our decisions. You know, no one wants bad outcomes for anyone else, but we should all be able to choose whether they occur or not. And that's where we are in this uh, battle. And, I, you know, the fact that he's still saying this stuff, especially with, with the amount of information we have now on what the effect is on children and how this spreads at schools. It's just, it's really unacceptable at this point. Let me give you one, do we have time for one more? Let me give you one more. This is uh, Joe Biden talking to a business owner and letting him know the, the truth about his situation. All kidding aside, I think it really is 
a matter of mm. people deciding now that they have opportunities to do other things right. and there is a shortage of employees. People are looking to make more money and, and to bargain. And so I think your business and the tourist business is really going to be in a, in a bind for a little while. Well, let me ask you, because John is looking to hire people. He's got 39 restaurants across the country. Yeah. Is there anything you can do to help him out? I mean, he's, he's got to get people in. Well, well John, for, first of all, I, you know, the thing we did to help John and the Johns out is provide billions of dollars to make sure they could stay open, sure. number one. So you all contributed to making sure John could stay in business. Thank you. And we should. We should have done that, as we did for other industries. But secondly, John, my guess is that um, people being seven, eight dollars an hour plus tips, that that's I think, John, you're going to be finding 15 bucks an hour or more. What a fascinating moment, uh, frankly, uh, quickly. You know, at some point level, he's right, right? I mean, of course, there are people who are sitting home knowing they're in a good bargaining position. Why are they in that bargaining position? Because you're shoveling money at them. They don't have to go to work. So, yes, they are sitting back and saying, I want $15 an hour or $20 an hour. I want a better job. These jobs aren't being filled because you've you've put a safety net under them. They don't need to work. So why would they? Again, if you're making... I don't know. You're making 600 bucks a week uh, on unemployment. Why are you going to go back to work for 400 bucks a week? You're not going to do it. Uh, it's just unbelievable. By the way, you could tell hit John and all. I like how he's like, we, and we're going to help the Johns. Well, the Johns are a different thing. Hunter might know something about that, but that's a totally different situation. Uh, helping out John by giving him billions of dollars so he could stay open. Well, I mean, who made him close? <laughs> that was you guys. So I don't know how much you helped him, but this uh, situation here where they're going to sit here like the heroes and act as if they were the big help in this situation. They've been in the way the entire time, and now they're still in the way. And John and all of those other Johns out there who might be visiting some of Hunter Biden's close friends, they all know it, too. Back in a second. If you haven't subscribed to the Studios America podcast by now, what are you waiting for? Head to your favorite provider now and get yourself uh, something decent to listen to on your drive into work in the morning or at home at night, or just torture your family by blasting it over any really loud speaker throughout your home. You can find links to all the platforms at stewdoesamerica.com. Welcome. Uh, we're going to welcome back to the program. Brian Reed, I want to give you this. He's uh, <laughs> got a new piece. I just love this from Brian. Much of the spending going on right now is broadly popular with the American people. That is because everybody loves Santa Claus. It's true. Brian Riedel is a senior fellow at the uh, Manhattan Institute. His newest piece for the dispatch is trillions and trillions. The Democrats are poised for the largest permanent expansion of government in at least a half century. I'll tweet out the link to a to the story uh, shortly. Brian, it's been too long. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Stu. How are you? Uh, very, very well. Uh, great piece, as usual. There's so much in here I want to dig, dig in on. Um, let me start with the infrastructure deal. Um, we're, we know that this is supposedly bipartisan, which I think is supposed to make us feel better about it. But it's just the first step in a long, cascading series of events. 
Yeah, there's $600 billion where both parties have agreed to spend $600 billion. They haven't figured out how to pay for the $600 billion yet, but they said they're going to get to that later um, oh. after they're done celebrating the, the bipartisan decision to spend money we don't have. So I would say there is no real deal yet, or if there is a deal, it's because Republicans have decided that they wanted to go deeper into debt to help the Democrats spend money without paying for it. You know, there's a backwards part of this, too, which is like, okay, you could convince us that maybe we need something. We need to spend money on something our country needs. Then you say, like, here's the list of bridges we need repaired. Okay, you don't say I need six hundred billion dollars in bridge money. Right. Like, I don't do that at my house. I don't say like, okay, hey, like we really I need a new car. I might say that. But I don't say like I need a million dollars in car money. I'm going to go out and buy some cars like they're letting the money essentially lead the budget and they're just filling the number in. That's exactly what they're doing. You know, usually you want to have more of a bottom up process where you figure out what the country needs. And then you have the experts come in and say what bridges are, are in the most danger, what needs to be repaired. And then you you take them on, on more of a case by case basis or, or you aggregate them. Right now, they just pick really big, exciting numbers and say, we'll fill in the projects later. But first, we're going to have a press conference and celebrate the hundreds of billions of dollars we're going to be spending. That's how they play the game. It really is incredible. Um, you go through, uh, as we're ca- going through this entire um, inc- increase of the trillions and trillions, you also mention renewing policies that currently use fake expiration dates. Can you explain that? Sure. The chi- let's, take, let's take the child tax credit expansion this year. They raised the child tax credit from 2000 to either 3000 or 3600 depending on the age of the kid. But they only did it for one year. And that's because it makes it look cheap. Oh, one year, $130 billion. Everybody knows this is not going to expire next year. There's going to be a funding cliff. There's going to be everyone saying, don't let the child tax credit expansion expire. They're going to, there's going to be calls to renew it. Well, over 10 years, that $130 billion cost becomes closer to $1.5 trillion. But rather than spend the whole $1.5 trillion now, they're just going to do it one year at a time and hope that you don't notice the aggregate cost. They do this for policy after policy after policy mm. so that you avoid the sticker shock. It really is amazing that they do this. And this is a win-win for the left in particular because they get either the giant spending number or they get to hold Republicans hostage and saying, why are you trying to screw these poor families that need this money? And I, you know, we did a whole show on this a couple of weeks ago, Brian, uh, about I think one of the most disturbing parts of this policy, if not the most disturbing, is not even the increase in the money on the child's tax credit. It's how they're delivering it monthly. I mean, I I think this is a terrible precedent to be setting. It's it's very it's very interesting in how this is going to develop the relationship between individuals and government. It's one thing when you get uh, a grant once a year in your tax refund that kind of feels like a windfall. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be getting a deposit in your in your bank account every month, it starts to become part of your normal monthly income and people start to depend on it. And they start stop thinking there's anything weird about getting a regular government deposit every month as part of your monthly budget. Next thing you know, why stop it at the child tax credit? Why don't you give us more and more and more? When people start to depend on this as part of their monthly income, you create an entire new round of dependency. And then it gets to the point where it grows to a level that the country can't afford. 
Yeah, I always go back to uh, the documentary Christmas Vacation, where uh, Clark W. Griswold is expecting his bonus at the end of the month, at the end of the year, and, and he says, look, you want to cancel bonuses, fine, but when people depend on them as part of their salary, and it's like, that's what happens. That dependence starts. And unfortunately, we do not have a jelly of the month club around the corner <laughs> at any time to fill that gap in. Um, you get to, you add all this stuff up, you get to eight trillion dollars, and all the details are in the piece. It's a must read. But when you break down how much money $8 trillion is, I almost lost my mind. $8 trillion is enormous. That's the total six-month spending spree if Democrats do everything they want. It's five times bigger than the tax cuts in 2017 that we were told we couldn't afford. $8 trillion is enough to put $60,000 into the bank account of every family. Jeez. It would be enough to eliminate the entire employee side of the payroll tax. It would be enough to permanently eliminate one third of your income taxes. It's the biggest expenditure since World War II. But instead of getting all of that, it's just going to be for a grab bag of hundreds of little initiatives that are meant to buy off every little constituency and interest group and lobbyist. And, and like I said, $8 trillion. You could just give everybody $60,000. It's that much money. I, and I, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not some brilliant uh, monitor of the of the public and uh, their opinion. But like, I got to think that if you poll the public and ask them, would they rather have the crap that they're doing or sixty thousand dollars in their bank account? This would not be close. I mean, I'm almost wondering at some point, do they just realize this and start giving tens of thousands of dollars into people's bank account? Because I think it's going to be a lot more popular than all this. Yeah, it, it's, it's really an extraordinarily wa uh, large waste of money that they're doing. Again, it's just a grab bag of liberal initiatives. The reality is we can't even really afford to do the $8 trillion deposited into bank accounts either because just for the baseline, we're seven, facing $17 trillion in 10-year deficits even before we do this $8 trillion. Mm. So – you know, as much as it's fun to talk about the better things we could spend $8 trillion, we don't even have this $8 trillion. In fact, most of this $8 trillion is going to be funded by the printing press. If, if you really have to raise $8 trillion, you know, why don't we pay for the spending we, we have? Why don't we pay for our current commitments? You just – you can't keep going into to 17 or $25 trillion of deficits over 10 years. Or you think the economy is rough now. Wait, wait till the end of the next couple of years. It's really incredible. And, and to pay for this, of course, they have no real real way to pay for this. But um, they one of the one of the thoughts is they're going to have to come up with three point five trillion dollars in tax increases. This would be a monumental change. I mean, you go through how big that tax increase would need to be. Can you can you give people perspective on this? Yeah, if they were even just to pay for the three and a half trillion, that would be the biggest tax increase since World War II. Um, the the amount that they would have to have to raise is enormous, and it's this is keep in mind as much as the Democrats talk about tax increases, they haven't actually been able to successfully raise tax increases much at all over the past twenty five years. It's all talk. It's all a bluff. The only real tax increase in the last twenty five years was the ones for Obamacare, and they ended up repealing those. <laughs> but if they were to raise taxes by three and a half trillion dollars, like I said, it would be the biggest tax increase in American history um, or the biggest tax increase since World War II. You know, even you know, when people talk about corporations paying their fair share, the, the corporate tax increases would be five times bigger than the corporate tax cuts they got 
2017. There would be huge new taxes on investments, huge new taxes on what you pass down to your kids when you die. Um, we'd have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. And let me tell you something. That's just to pay for the $3.5 trillion. How do you think they're going to pay for the rest and the underlying budget deficits? Once you've maxed out taxes on corporations and the rich, the only people left to come after are the middle class. And the next round of tax hikes in the next couple of years, it's going to be all the middle class because you could only tax the rich and the corporations so much then you have to move on to to the middle class. This is just chaotic. And I feel like there's just no one's paying attention to this stuff uh, anymore. No one even cares. You know, I mean, even the right will pay some lip service to it. But over the past decade, really, it's been completely forgotten. Um, let me get into something from last night. This is Joe Biden did this uh, town hall. I'm sure you were glued to your television, Brian, uh, <laughs> making sure you got all the all the wonderful moments out of it. There's this one moment about inflation, though, that has made the rounds a little bit. I want to play it for you and, and, and get your thoughts on this. Watch. I seem pretty confident that, that inflation is temporary, but if you're pumping all of this money into the economy, couldn't that add to... No, the, the, look, here's the deal. Moody's today, when our Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, said if we pass the other two things I'm trying to get done, we will in fact reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Because they're going to be providing good opportunities and jobs for people who, in fact, are going to be reinvesting that money back in all the things we're talking about, driving down prices, not raising prices. Now, I just found this answer to be amazing on a bunch of different levels. Let's start with the just generalized historical concept here. When you print trillions and trillions of dollars, does that make inflation go down? It makes inflation go up. Uh, the president's inventing new economics here. Um, obviously, if you're going to spend trillions of new dollars, uh, especially to the degree that it's going to be funding with funded with the printing press, you are absolutely going to going to create inflation. Um, I mean, this is this is standard economics. In fact, this is a big part of what caused the inflation of the 1970s. The idea that well, the economy is going to become so productive that you'll actually have the same amount of new goods. As, as the amount of new money and therefore the huge productivity will get rid of inflation is generally nonsense, especially when um, Penn Wharton uh, did some economic modeling and determined that the Biden infrastructure plan would actually reduce economic growth. It would reduce GDP and it would reduce jobs. So the whole idea that all this new productivity is going to create enough goods to keep up with the money. The economist at Penn Wharton said it's actually going to shrink the number of goods. And let me tell you, the idea that the, the White House has designed an infrastructure bill that actually reduces jobs and GDP over the long term is remarkable. I mean, that's actually impressive. Like, how do you write an infrastructure bill that actually shrinks the economy? There's a part of me that wants to clap bravo for, for doing something that I didn't think could be done. <laughs> it's funny, too, because, you know, you think with trillions of dollars, you could, you could have people just have jobs to stand around and do nothing. And they're actually going the opposite way somehow. I actually, so one of the things I, one of the reasons why this in, this answer interested me so much, first of all, it was Moody's, which is Mark Zandi, who's a guy who, again, he's been their economist for a long time, but it was also someone who was considered for a White House position in the Obama administration. He's not some like middle of the road guy. He's a guy that's very closely aligned with Biden and Obama. But I, I did get look through the report because I, I wanted to see what the argument was. He, they say 
Inflation, they do kind of say you can't rule it out that inflation could go up, but we think it's going to go down. The reason is there's considerable slack in the economy, and they say much of the additional fiscal support being considered is designed to lift the economy's longer-term growth potential and ease inflation pressures. For example, consider the additional spending on new rental housing supply for lower-income households, which is critical to rein in rent growth and housing costs. And What I found to be so interesting about this, and I'd love to get your comments on that idea that you can actually lower inflation by spending in certain areas like that. But it's also like they don't even have the details on what this money would be spent on yet. So the idea that it could be so well crafted and executed by this government to do these sorts of things, it just seems like a mystical tale. Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, Mark, Mark Zandi was one of the ones who in 2009 said that um, the the Obama stimulus would create one of the fastest economic recoveries imaginable. And we did the Obama stimulus, and then we did more stimulus bills after, and we had the slowest recovery since World War II. So, I mean, with all due respect to Mr. Zandi, his his track record isn't very good. Mm. But yeah, I mean, what what they're essentially saying is that you're going to get so much new productivity and supply that instead of having too many dollars chase too few goods the number of goods in the economy is going to explode even faster than the trillions of dollars and trillions of dollars in new cash put into the economy. That, that's just not true. I mean, first off, as you say, we don't even know the details of the spending yet. I mean, Mark, you know, Mark Zandi and Moody's are just kind of filling in hypotheticals of, of what one of these small pieces of the three and a half trillion dollars would go to only one, only a small sliver. But also again, you know, Penn Wharton and others have said you're not going to get a productivity boost from this. You're not going to get a huge increase in supply and GDP. You're actually going to shrink the economy. Um, and so this is this is a fairy tale. Politicians will will grab on to any economic theory possible to justify what they already want to do. If they want to spend money, they will grab on to the closest theory that makes it look like a free lunch as they can, whether it's correct or not. And that's what the president is doing. Mm, very true. And I will say Mark Zandi has built himself an out here. He does say, uh, look, there could be uh, expected lag, uh, lags and delays in implementation, and it could be trickier than we are anticipating. Do you think do you think spending eight trillion dollars could be trickier than you're anticipating? Brian Riedel, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Be sure to read his piece. It's trillions and trillions. The Democrats are poised for the largest permanent expansion of government in at least half a century from the dispatch. And uh, check it out. I'll uh, tweet it out from my uh, Twitter account as, uh, as, as well tonight. And make sure to follow Brian on Twitter as well. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, Stu. All right, go to YouTube, go to the search, type in STU, and click enter. You're going to see my fat face. That's where I'm going to be. You can subscribe to the channel there. You get all the shows for free, and you can comment anytime uh, while we're doing the show. We see your comments all the time. Uh, this thread kind of made me laugh. Um, I've been watching Stu since he started to do America, and I'm wondering if Stu ever changes his suit. Uh, it's just one long, continuous show, was one of the responses which is possible. What if I'm just doing, what if I started months ago and just just doing one show and just keep breaking it up and releasing it hour by hour? You wouldn't know. You would not know. Um, it's painted on, I am thinking, it is a little tight. Looks painted on. Uh, does James Bond change his suit? No, no, I don't think he does. Well, he probably does. Uh, so anyway, I appreciate it. I, I did the first, I think, 100 episodes of this show, not only with one suit, but only two shirts and no dry cleaners were open because we were in the middle of the pandemic. 
So that's a lot. That they did not smell good by the end of those hundred episodes, but I got through them. Uh, let's go to the reviews. Best uh, reviews, uh, always appreciated. Anywhere you uh, are on podcasts, it's really you know it's what gets us up the charts and everything. So please do it. Please take a second and click five stars because that is the appropriate number of stars. Best podcast ever. Seriously, my dad and I always love to make fun of Biden, and we always enjoy listening. It's pretty disappointing when we're driving and there's not a new episode. Well, as we all know now. It's only one episode from the beginning that we're breaking up into pieces, so we can't do it uh, every single day. A uh, couple quick stories here for you. Americans are having uh, trouble traveling now because the State Department employees are not working. Matt Welch has his own story about how he has to spend a $1,000 detour to go pick up a passport for a trip to France that he's taking to see family members. Uh, apparently, uh, they're not rushing the government employees back to work. Now, you're still paying them every cent. But they're not showing up back to work, so there's a gigantic backlog. If you're doing some international travel, make sure you get ahead of this. First of all, it's always worth spending the extra money for the expedited version because you know the government. Um, you just got to fork, just throw money at them, and maybe you'll be lucky enough to allow for them to allow you to leave the country. Uh, what an incredible honor that is. Also, Nancy Pelosi has scoffed at the uh, House GOP leader McCarthy, um, who is uh, is now going to try their own. Uh, investigation. They're saying a GOP-only investigation into the January 6th situation. Uh, she says, perhaps you mistake me for somebody who would care about that. One thing that we do know. All this stuff about January 6th, there's lots of questions out there. One thing we do know, though, Nancy Pelosi sucks. And there's a pen that tells you just that. Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. Dot com. It's available now. We just got some new ones in, so we are trying to replenish every single time Nancy Pelosi sucks pen.com. You can get the pen there or the mug or the t-shirt, which I think you'll really like as well. Back in a second. In Scotland, a rookie police officer was looking up in the sky, noticed that a drone was following her. Uh, called for backup. Obviously, big deal. What's going on? Someone monitoring me. Turns out it was the planet Jupiter. Just up there in the sky. Although I will say, if the planet Jupiter was following her, that actually is a big story. I don't know why people are blowing this off. That seems like a big deal. Planets should not stalk women. That's wrong. Okay. Uh, also, there's a story from, I guess it's Fi or Fee. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a new company. And they have a small smart collar for your dog, which, of course, is really needed. This particular smart uh, collar will monitor... The sleep of your dog. So it's like a sleep, a sleep tracking device for your dog. Uh, fantastic. We Something we really need. I will say it sounds like a really dumb idea and also something that I want because I would like to see how much. I mean, my dog, Miles, President Miles, you may have seen him on social media. Uh, and the reason we call him President Miles is because he has more energy than President Biden. Uh, but he does sleep about 20 hours a day. And that's actually really underselling it. It's got to be like 22 and a half hours a day. Maybe if I get a smart collar to keep my kids in sight for more than like two minutes, though we could put them in like an electric fence situation and then they would never escape. So that's another thought. But I'm just, you know, at this point, I'm just trying to come up with new products to make zillions of dollars. I don't know why I'm doing that when I've got the Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. You can get at nancypelosisuckspen.com. Also, uh, wokeness is weakness. This mug right here. It's a brand new one. I just got it. Also, we have the LeBron mugs are in as well. Lots of fun stuff at StuDoesMerch.com. StuDoesMerch.com. Why does Stu do, do merch? Well, 
capitalism. It's just capitalism.